Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm best-selling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacy Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the paleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Sarah, I am so excited about this week because we, we, have a guest. we have a guest. We have a guest. And it's someone who I adore, which is always great. Not that I don't like the other people that we have on the show, but it's not usually someone that I like personally know in my real life. So, I'm, Do you think we're going to get some snort laughs this episode? I surely hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I have my fingers crossed. I'm really excited. Um, I, I love, I adore snort laugh people. There's just something about someone who's willing to just fully be themselves and let go and enjoy the moment that they snort laugh with no shame. I hope, listeners, that if a snort laugh is natural to you, that you take this moment to say, do I want to be the person who openly snort laughs? And let me just encourage you to say, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, it's, you're right. It, there's something just so endearing about, um, that level of mirth to me, that is what is so endearing about it. Um, so I'm excited, but before we bring our guest on, we need to let our listeners know that we need a favor from them. Oh, favor from the listeners. I know. Uh, we're terrible at asking for favors. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we kind of are actually, we really are. So hopefully by like just saying, Hey listeners, do us a solid. And then hopefully everyone will be like, what? They're asking us for something and they'll run out and do it and it'll be amazing. I mean, don't run. If you're in your car, finish going where you're going and then, and then help us out. Right. Um, so you know how paleo magazine does a best of special issue every single year and they have a bunch of categories, including like best podcast, best family centered blog, best science centered blog, best cookbook, best science book, you know, things that maybe are somewhat relevant to everything we do. I do. And I also know that I have found a ton of interesting things by going through those magazines and seeing Mm -hmm. who's nominated and people might be introduced to other people if they're on that list. So not only when you're on that list, is it like, like, you know, woohoo, yay me, because it's awesome, but you even get like this, like engraved glass plaque award, which is pretty (laughs) cool. And, and, and it's awesome, but it's also like, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to be nominated. It's a big deal to be on that list. And so listeners, nominations for the 2019 best of are open now so if you're listening to this friday nominations close sunday january 28th i think it is so um please hop on a computer if you just go to paleo magazine's website you'll be able to find where to nominate very well but we'll also put direct links in the show notes and in our social media shares about the podcast so you can go and nominate i mean 
nom- obviously you're going to nominate us if you like us, but it's also your opportunity to nominate all of your favorite companies that are doing really great work and really share with PaleoMag all of your favorites. And so then they'll take whoever gets the most nominations and then people will get to vote. So like you have to get nominated X number of times in order to be on the list in order to, for other people to then, then vote. And so it's like a, it's a, it's a multi-step process towards exposure and, uh, and, uh, etched glass plaques um but <laughs> you're cracking please. me up with the etched glass <laughs> especially because they started the etched glass after like i so our blog won some awards and then they started doing the etched glass yeah. and i was in I your office not long ago did, i think the first year they did the etched glass is 2014 because i have a few from that year um i'm just saying i would like to add to my collection the paleo view has never won it's come in second before. So I I think we do a good podcast. I think our podcast is even better now than it's ever been. I think we've been dropping some serious knowledge bombs and like practical how-to. I'm just trying to make a case for why our listeners should take five minutes out of their day to go nominate us and all of their other favorite brands. Absolutely. And if you don't like us, please don't go to that website and nominate someone else because that's just going to water down the other people's votes. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just saying if you, if you don't like I mean, if this is the first podcast you've ever listened to, this is a weird thing to be at the front of the podcast. Please go listen to some other podcasts and then come back to this one. Uh otherwise, if you're listening to this podcast and it's not really your thing, there's lots of great podcasts out there. You don't you don't, you don't need to be here. <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to worry about that nomination process. You can just forget about that. Yeah. It's, oh. it's totally fine. Awesome. Well, thank you for that reminder. I honestly had no idea it was going on because I don't pay attention at all. And so I appreciate you being on top of things. And I'm super excited because now we get to we get to go hang out with Cassie, right? Yeah, let's do it. So as we indicated, we do have a special guest for you this week. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Cassie. Hi. Hi, ladies. Hello. So for you listeners that don't know Cassie or aren't familiar with her work, her blog is fedandfit.com. And Cassie and I have known each other as acquaintances for years and years. You actually have an amazing guest post on our blog for Gingerbread House that I link to all the time and that my boys love making ginger ninjas in the (laughs) holiday season with your recipe. But um, we've become more familiar with each other because we hang out together at in-person like beauty counter events and stuff like that. And so I was saying earlier when we were getting ready for the show that you're kind of non-human in how amazing you are. So just, I just want to share like a, a little of a bio that you did not give me at all, which is that you're a amazing, you're a new mom and you run your blog and and all this jazz um, and you focus on health and fitness, but you do it in a way that really supports the idea of health first and eating nutrient density, which as you know, Sarah and I are big proponents of. Um, But what I've learned about you in the meantime is that your genuine laughter includes a snort and you (laughs) went to college to be like a bug person, an entomologist. Is that correct? That's correct. 
I need you to tell everybody. So cool. (laughs) How and and if you have not heard Cassie's dog voice yet, you have to go listen to her Instagram stories because um, they're insane. Like. I put these little pieces of you together and I'm like, is this really one like universal person? <laughs> You're saying funny, smart, super mom, inspirational blogger, author person. And amazing hair. We, I forgot that. Too. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. And gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So how's Basically, that for the whole an introduction? Is going to be Stacy and I talking about how we want to be you, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing tomorrow and the day after that? And the day after that. Want me just to call you and tell you how amazing you are? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, so tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself what I didn't cover in my unique biography of you. I kind of want to I kind of want a, a mic drop situation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so that's that's probably the nicest thing Stacy anyone's ever said about me. Well, um, put it on record that someone has once said that I was nice. Like it's just there it is. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh that's I'm I I'm caught off guard. I'm blushing. I you know, I think you covered it. That's that's so <laughs> that's so Wait, Baby, I want to know what what do we have to do to hear this dog voice? Oh, it's good. Well, we got to invite Gus into the room. Yeah, it oh, only have, it only happens when her dog like is physically there. It cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. You he can come in if you. So oh, there's Gus. Hey, Gus. Hi, Cassie. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm talking to these lovely ladies. That's nice. Do they have turkeys or are they just talking about healthy foods? <laughs> I think they're just talking about healthy foods, buddy. Okay, well, never mind. I gotta go. <laughs> that, that was Gus. Sorry. <laughs> to complete to complete the side tangent, what makes this even more insane is that I had a, ca- a conversation with Cassie a couple of weeks ago about how I used to think that she was a crazy person when I would listen to her Insta stories because of her dog voice, and I like just could not deal. And then I got a dog of my own, and I was taken over by Penny's voice and like I have a voice for Penny and now I was like and now I just can't stop with the Gus voice because I have a Penny voice so you anyway. posted Penny voice the other night and it I, I showed my husband I was so proud I was so excited <laughs> feel free to cut Gus's rude interruption out of this show <laughs> it's gonna turn the listeners off but no, that's, yeah, that's exciting. I'm, I'm just excited to be here and chat with you gals today, though. So we've been talking this month about resolutions, New Year's resolutions, diet mindset, you know, how to want to be healthier, but still accept yourself as you are, different kinds of concepts like that, that I think in general was more talked about this year than I've ever heard before. And I, I really like that idea of people approaching whatever their resolution is as a sustainable long-term solution, right? Like we hear so often about how resolutions are something that people do on the first and they don't even make it through the end of the month. And then there's like this boomerang effect of guilt and shame that drive them to even less healthier habits than they were to begin with, right? So We thought, given your area of expertise and the topics that 
you talk about as also, I think you're like a nutritionist or. I do. What? I, yeah, I forgot. I didn't that. even include that. <laughs> <laughs> so there just, you know, just a few more things to add, <laughs> to add to your list of areas of expertise, but we thought it would be a good idea to talk about kind of what your experience with some of that stuff has been and, um, just, yeah, what, I guess, what do you think about that? How about, we'll just start with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have lots of thoughts about that. I, it was pretty neat to see the amount of awareness that I felt as a collective wellness seeking community, you know, readers, writers, everybody in the same bucket. It was really neat to see the amount of, I think, awareness and thoughtfulness that folks approached this January more than any other and and I'm all about it. I think it's so it, it's exactly what you said, Stacy. I think it's important to go in with your eyes wide open. If you're going to, yeah, you know, if you're going to subscribe to some sort of a strict diet, whatever you know you may choose, I just think it's important to realize that it's going to serve a very single purpose and it's not going to solve everything. And there's a really good chance it doesn't solve what you think it's going to solve for you. Um, or what you're aiming to get out of it. And like you said, I think most folks walk away from those experiences and encounters and decisions just with a worse relationship with food. And they just feel bad about themselves, so much guilt. And then all of a sudden Valentine's Day is here and they're like, give me all the cake and the champagne and I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then I'm going to go ahead and diet again for spring break. And it just, I feel like it kicks off the year in this ugly, vicious cycle And I just, I'm just doing my best to try to remind people at every interval that, you know, you're not broken, there's no bandwagon, just live your life and everything's okay. You know, look at what actually happened is maybe you ate a burger that was technically off plan. Do you feel crummy? That's all that happened. It doesn't mean that you've, you know, you've you've really betrayed yourself, which is such a, it's such a weird, powerful association and power. It's such a weird power we give these programs, especially this time of year. Yeah, I think I think the unique thing for our audience in particular is the idea that a lot of our listeners are coming from autoimmunity or other health issues that drive the decision to either be paleo or AIP or um, the many variations of, you know, FODMAPs or SCD or all the different things that we've talked about. And, you know, and I'll let... Um, Sarah jump in because I know she'll have a lot to say on the topic. But I think for us, we like to think of those things as a a lifestyle that you're that someone is participating in for their health. And I think for each of us, Sarah and myself, as well as a lot of the different um, AIP, uh, I'm using uh, qu- quotation marks for myself, but not Sarah. Experts. Sarah is the expert. I am the quotation mark expert on those sort of things. You know, almost all of us end up on some sort of modified version once we reintroduce mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's with intention that mm-hmm. we re-add eggs or coffee or whatever it is back into our lives. And we see how we respond. And it's not because we fall face first into a pizza buffet. Um mm-hmm out of frustration. And I I think that's where, at least for me, that diet mentality is so Mm -hmm. critical for changing that mindset, right? It's like, is this, is this helping or hindering my health? 
or is this helping or hindering my mental health? Um, and how can we find the balance in between both to live a healthy, sustainable life where, you know, you don't have autoimmune flares or you, you know, what, whatever those things are that are bothering you, but then also don't have this huge amount of stress in this yo-yo diet as you've described it. And I think that's such a difficult balance for people because it's just not how our culture and our society embraces food in general, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's so eloquently put. It It's interesting because when I'm working, when I've worked with clients one-on-one and, and in programs, I try to just drill down that the object of the game is not to eat as few foods as possible, right? It's to heal and then to try to try to vary your plate and try to vary your foods as much as possible and get, garner micronutrients from as many places as possible. And to your point, the, the lifestyle piece of it, which is interesting because I feel like I find myself defending my lifestyle a lot. For example, gluten is a strict no-go for me, induces migraines, other really ugly things. And when you're talking with folks who are in this diet mentality, they look at, well, Cassie, just cheat, just cheat a little bit, just cheat and order the real pizza or just cheat and have this brownie with me or whatever it is. And they're like, no, absolutely. No, no, thank you. It's not, it's not worth it. You know, I don't want to be down for the count for three days. And, uh, it's just, it's interesting that, that balance, like you've said, and trying to understand the difference between choosing, great, making great healthy choices for health in the name of health, or is it in the name of this kind of arbitrary rules and restrictions for the sake of achieving something that we've idealized, you know, meaning whatever, whatever that is for every individual person, not as eloquently put as you, Stacey, but that's my take on it. No, I yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I'm like, I, I would never define me as the eloquent one. So where's Sarah? Where is she? <laughs> Um, actually you're both very eloquent, so I'm, I'm feeling like I have to play catch up now. Um, no, I love, um, that differentiation between, uh, sort of dieting as being something where you're following sort of rules and restrictions to achieve a short-term goal versus a lifestyle that you adopt with the idea that you're going to make the healthiest choices as often as possible for the rest of your life. And you have this goal instead of, I want to lose X number of pounds or fit into whatever size jeans or do this amazing thing at the gym, like those sort of concrete goals that tend to go with dieting. The goal is more of finding balance and sustainability so that I can maintain this healthy lifestyle or at least some variation of it for the rest of my life. And it's one of the things that I, I often end up in these conversations with people from the autoimmune community because the autoimmune protocol is very restrictive. And actually those people will almost go the opposite spectrum. So they, they find health through the rules and restrictions to the point where they're scared to cheat. They're scared to go off plan, which translates to scared to try reintroductions, scared to add more varied foods, right? And so it becomes um, such an entrenched diet mentality that instead of the yo-yo effect, which I think is uh, certainly more common for these people, it it tends to be almost like an orthorexia I don't think it's true orthorexia because I think it it is really it's it's born out of truly having these awful reactions to foods and recognizing them and being scared of having that reaction. 
but it it's this sort of other side of this coin of um, when you when you diet that that means that you set yourself up to not necessarily maintain that for the rest of your life. But also there's this group of people who are great at sticking to a diet and end up missing out on some really, really important nutrient dense foods, you know, becomes, it becomes something that's so restrictive that it still confines their life. Yes, absolutely. I can definitely (laughs) see that. Very, very well put. Um, And it's in, I, that's a, it feels like they're, everyone's trying to come into the same room of balanced, healthy eating and just living their lives. You know, we look at those folks who we see are just, I, I think at least me and a lot of my clients and folks I've worked with in the past, they see folks that they just look at and think, oh, that's a naturally healthy person. And I feel like that's the Holy grail for a lot of people, the people who seem to just live their lives and and they indulge when they want to indulge. They don't seem to beat themselves up. They just make good choices and, and, and balance choices at that. You know, they, it's, it doesn't seem formulaic and they just get to live their lives. I feel like that's, that's what everybody, or that's what I think a, a lot of people really want. And they're coming at it in these different doors and the autoimmune community is such a really interesting one because like you're saying it's so I can see how intimidating that would be to try and reintroduce because they're, they're feel, they feel well now. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, a, um, I would say that in, so in the autoimmune community, you have these two sort of extremes. You have the person who feels great on the autoimmune protocol, but has a really, really hard time sticking to it. And that sort of falls into the like yo-yo category. And then you have the other extreme of the person who, you know, went AIP, saw these amazing results, and then is stuck there. And I, I try to communicate that the autoimmune protocol is a, it's a foundation, right? So it, it really provides you with really detailed information about how different foods can interact with the human body, but it does still respect bioindividuality. And part of following the autoimmune protocol is supposed to be this self-discovery journey where you really experiment and figure out your own individual tolerance to different foods and suboptimal lifestyle factors. For example, I know that I'm a person who I can tolerate um, certain foods much better if I'm not stressed, I'm getting enough sleep. They tend to be the foods that I crave when I'm not getting enough sleep and I'm totally stressed. (laughs) But that's exactly when they're going to cause a reaction. And yet if I choose to indulge when I've when I'm, you know, well rested and not stressed, I'm going to not have the same type of reaction. So we have this, this really dynamic, right? Our immune systems are very dynamic, and there's many, many inputs to how our immune system responds to diet and lifestyle. And so this is all wrapped up in this journey, right? It's this amazing, empowering journey of really understanding our bodies and understanding our triggers, understanding what's optimal, and then trying to live somewhere in between. So we're never actually triggering a flare, but that we allow ourselves that wiggle room and that um, flexibility to be able to eat differently when we travel or when we're at somebody's house for dinner or when it's our birthday, right? And be able to have those indulgences. And so within this community, we sort of see these two extremes of the person who is just really struggling to adopt the autoimmune protocol for long enough to really be able to be successful in that part of the journey that is self-discovery and the person who is scared of the self-discovery aspect of the journey because the sort of out of the box strictest version of the AIP has been so foundational for them that they don't, 
it's not that they're happy there. It's that they're scared to take that step down that road. So I guess the question that I would have for those people is, how, how do you kind of stay the course? How do you, A, stay on the path of AIP so that you feel your best, and then B, decide what the um, what the mechanisms are for adding more foods to your plate, hmm. both in the context of AIP and not? Because that was one of the things that you mentioned as well, Cassie, right? Is like you're you're trying to feel your best so that then you can open your vocabulary of foods even wider. I think Chris Kresser at Paleo FX probably five years ago was the first time I heard that, that there's like this bell curve of, of wellness and gut health and that your goal is to get on the other side of the bell curve. And when you have, you know, reactions to a whole bunch of foods, that's not where you stay. That's where you know that you're in the healing track and then you want to get to the other side so that when you have exposure, it's not, you know, so dramatic. And I see that in my youngest son who has had exposure to gluten and sort of things and doesn't have nearly the reaction that the rest of us did because he's been paleo since birth. And I realized that that could be coincidence, but I think not. Genetics doesn't lie. So I I think that's kind of the thing for me, right, is for the people who are struggling to either, as you mentioned, Sarah, start AIP and then stick with it or the idea of adding things after you feel well, how do you approach that? Ooh, that's a million dollar question. (laughs) Man, that's I mean, that's an interesting puzzle. I, I think that I would putting myself in those particular shoes. I have not walked the exact walk, but just doing my best to empathize. I would say, and I, and I guess I have been there. It hasn't, it's not as extreme. I, I don't have, or I don't know, I don't have a diagnosed autoimmune uh, condition. I would say that it's about being very strategic with your reintroductions. And I know that y'all have resources and I'm sure abundant resources at that on this, but I would just say it, it has probably to do to being very thoughtful and careful to choose you know, one follow, I guess just a follow a reintroduction protocol period. You know, if you're following a plan, I think that it may take some of the scary or the, the intimidation out of the process and trust that these, you know, the captain who helped lead you to wellness through this protocol is going to help lead you to the other side of that bell curve. That's an incredible analogy. I had not heard, I've ever heard that. Um, but I would just say, trust your coach at that point and then move slowly, ask for help. If you have something that flares, then, you know, take the steps that you need to take to feel well again, but just trust the process. So taking a step backwards and, um, you know, away from these people who are adopting a diet for therapeutic gains, Mm -hmm. but looking at that more sort of stereotypical January resolutions, I I mean, I would say something like 80% of the country goes on a diet in January to lose weight, right? It's, I'm pulling that number out of a hat, but it's probably not that far off. It seems like probably the most common New Year's resolution is I want to lose weight. And when you take that population that is struggling to stick with a diet and ends up, you know, following something really rules and restrictions based for a, as long of the time as they can sort of muscle through it, right? It's something that takes a lot of willpower and dedication. And then they hit, you know, whatever 
trigger ends up sort of falling off the wagon and they end up on this yo-yo, right? So whether that trigger is I made it all the way to Valentine's Day or I, I made it three weeks in and then I, I just couldn't continue. Um, how would you how would you recommend to those people um, a strategy for ditching that diet mentality, right? And not being stuck in that, um, that uh, rules and restrictions, but still being able to stay on track and stick with those, you know, healthy eating priorities without it being a diet, big uppercase D. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I, it's, it's one of those, the answer I'm going to give, it's going to feel, I feel like it's, it, it's going to be hard to visualize until someone just does it. And I think that what, what folks have to do and what I've, I've done this, I was definitely addicted to diets, the big, the big, ugly diet word. I was addicted to them. I felt like I did them all. And what finally stopped the endless cycle was the the last one essentially failed, failed me, or I yeah. failed it, you know, whichever, whichever way you want to slice it. And I think that actually funny enough, I really feel like that distinction was important because I always felt like I failed the diet, right? I failed. I went to the wedding and I had the cake or I, um, gosh, I don't know. I, I failed the workout routine that I had set up to, to go along with the diet as a sidecar, you know, extra pressure and extra expectations. I'm going to work out five mornings every single week and I missed a morning or two and I failed it. I failed the plan. And instead, I think what I had to do in order to get over that curve and what I've seen work for some folks is realizing that maybe that plan just failed you mm-hmm. and it wasn't the right plan for you. And I think that when we, when we assess that, we can remove ourselves emotionally from the situation because that has to be the first piece that we tackle is the guilt involved. And then we can move on to strategically, you know, how do I adopt some of these wellness principles into a way I can just live my life? I can have you know, I can, I can have the dessert at the wedding if it's the right decision for me. And it's not going to make me feel miserable the next day because of guilt. You know, I'm just going to deal with however my body reacts to it. And I think that, I think that realizing that those programs aren't the right ones for you and moving on is the way to do it. It's like going through a breakup and you just have to realize it's, it's you, it's not me. Um, and, and then move on from that. And then, and then after that, I mean, you just, you just try to lean on the most integral most important pillars, right? Rest, hydration. I'm sure y'all talk about these endlessly, but, you know, and then choose good foods as often as possible. And when it makes sense to indulge or, or do whatever you want to do when you're out at a restaurant or you're at a date with your partner, whatever it is, just realize that that's not counter to your life. It's part of it. And that's a part of your story. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to feel like you have to make up for it the next day by running an extra three miles or eating only salads for a week. You know, it's just a part of your lifestyle. And I, and I would say, go in thinking this is the plan. It is the plan that I'm going to enjoy date nights. Um, it's not a cheat. It's not counter to, it's just how I live my life. Uh, mic drop clearly. <laughs> I love that you're also referencing the it's not a cheat because Sarah and I did a show not too long ago where we talked about that word and how 
it has such a negative connotation to how one would feel about the foods that they're eating if they called it a cheat. Like just right from the get-go, you're already associating emotion to a food, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're assigning guilt and you're assigning, you know. Oh yeah, worried about being caught. I mean, I think of uh, cheating on a test, right? Like it's um, something I don't getting something I don't deserve, right? Like all of those different emotions are are tied up with with that word. I, of course, the academic in me just goes straight to cheating on tests. That might not be what everyone else does. Well, I think for most part, no matter what someone's association is, the word cheat does not have a positive connotation. But there are so many intentional choices that we all make day to day that are not the ideal food choices. I mean, for example, I didn't have liver for breakfast, right? Like it's, <laughs> it can be as basic as like, well, I didn't have collard greens and liver for breakfast and therefore I cheated because that's really what I know is best for my body, but that's not what I'm choosing to eat today. And I just think that no matter where someone is and whatever the journey there is, the fact that you, you brought up the word in a ne- negative connotation just more reiterates that the point that I think is important for me, which is that people own the decisions that they're making and not Mm -hmm. get caught up in the emotions of them. And while you can make a different choice tomorrow, if you want to, if it doesn't align with your goals for health, it's entirely different than to say like, well, I cheated and you know, like I'm a failure and all of the emotions that you were talking about with these things not working out the way you want them to. And I think that that just creates such an emotional attachment to food that can be negative instead of, you know, what Sarah and I have talked about is like the idea of food as a social concept for positive associations. And how do we retrain our minds to not get caught up in that negative cycle, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it all in. I'm listening so intently. I don't have a response on it. <laughs> it's totally fine. So, okay. Um, one of the questions that I have for you, and it's totally loaded, is um, how, how are some easy, quick ways that people can achieve their goals? If they have started something this year and they're at the point in, you know, they're, they're approaching the end of January at this point and they're, they're wanting to continue and they're, they're trying to find ways to make this more sustainable, um, to have it be more than just, you know, a 30 day stint or, or whatever it is. What, what are some ways that you help yourself be successful and reach goals and and maybe clients and, and however that looks for you? Um, you know, I would say that if, whether you feel like you've, you know, completed whatever program you have, uh, you assigned yourself to in January, whether you feel like you completed it or you got halfway and feel like it just didn't work out for you. I would say either way, once it's over or once you've decided it's over, don't feel like you have to abandon all the healthy principles that it may have represented to you. Uh, you know, cooking more from home, right? I, I think that as soon as these, I've seen so many folks and myself included, as soon as something ends and concludes, I would be like, okay, it did its job. And now it's going to have done his job, its job for the rest of my life. And I can go on eating all the in and out I want. And it's not going to, it's not going to have any impact on me. It's like, you just, 
you immediately take a hard right hand turn, probably because I'm tired of restricting and I resented the program because it wasn't for me. And I would say, take your favorite lessons learned from it. Like I really like eating kale for breakfast. It sounds super weird and I don't do it every morning, but I really enjoy it. I feel a little bit better throughout the day if I cook up some kale in the morning. And there's no reason why, because that program is ended or because you've decided it's ended. It doesn't mean that you can't continue to do that, right? And so I would pick a handful of your favorite healthy tendencies or practices or lessons that you learned from it. And I would try to apply those forward. I would also make sure to not pass up low hanging fruit, low hanging, healthy fruit would be like drinking water, right? That's a pretty easy one that most folks can uh, incorporate regardless of whether they feel like they're following a diet or not. It's something that fits into a healthy lifestyle model, stay hydrated, make sleep a high priority, right? So don't just because it's over and maybe, and I'm sure that if you're following a really thoughtful plan, sleep was in part of the prescriptive program, but I would say that still follow through on making sleep a priority. It doesn't mean that you don't occasionally stay up on a movie night on a Saturday, but, um, set your bedtime and honor it. So I would say follow, like definitely try to take advantage of low hanging, healthy fruit, still the metaphorical fruit. And then I would also say, try to pick a few of your favorite habits, like favorite healthy dishes and try to make those throughout the week. So I totally set you up for this and you dropped the ball. Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> what about batch cooking? What about cooking once and eating all week? What, what about that idea to help set yourself up for sustainable solution? <laughs> You know what? I might have done a lot, but I am not a marketer. (laughs) (laughs) It was not on your list of things that I I said at the beginning of the show. (gasps) You did it and I was talking over it. I hope Matt can pull out that track separate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I dropped that ball. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So speaking of that, (laughs) so there's this great new concept called... Meal prep, just kidding, it's not new, it's age old. But I, you know, I think that there's some things that you can do to make life easier. To Stacey's point, it's a solution we were aiming to solve. And it's one of it's my it's actually my favorite way to meal prep because it drives me a little bonkers to sit down and make, you know, nine dishes on a Sunday, like a lot of folks do when we meal prep, and it can be very exhaustive. And I think that when you're coming off, most people, when we're coming off of a diet or a program, we're looking for life to be a little bit easier, right? And we're like, wow, that was a lot of cooking and I want a break or, and I, maybe that's what drives us to fast food. So I would say find a way to meal prep and make things a little bit easier. And I think batch cooking very strategically is a way to do that. The cook once, eat all week thought behind it is you take one big piece of protein Think pork shoulder, right? Something because we're going to be able to repurpose it a lot. So big old pork shoulder. We take a whole bag of sweet potatoes and we take maybe, maybe broccoli's in season and it's on sale. So we buy three heads of broccoli. Okay. So we buy all these things in bulk in season and you go home and we're going to cook. We're going to cook the pork shoulder in our instant pot pressure cooker, slow cooker, whatever tickles your fancy. We're going to bake all those potatoes and I'm going to go ahead and chop and wash all the broccoli. And then this meal prep method, what we do is we show you how to then take those three already made components and assemble them into three totally different meals. Maybe we have a buffalo or a Cuban casserole. Maybe we have some sort of a 
stuffed potato and I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> Maybe we have some sort of a soup, but you know, you have three distinct dishes. Family doesn't get bored and it really saves on time. And I think that helps a lot. Cooking in bulk, meal prepping in particular helps people find success on healthy living in general. Cause we, it's, it's hard. We have, it's, you can't, it's, you, it's hard to find a place that you can just go drive through and grab a really healthy meal on the go. So, um, that's been, it, it's been a really popular thing that has, uh, our readers have really, really enjoyed. We have a few series on the website that they've loved. Yeah. We just talked about meal planning last week and genuinely coming up with a plan that works for you listener is so important to establishing that healthy mindset long-term and not feeling overwhelmed by it. I just think, you know, for Sarah and I as well, you know, we each live super busy lives. And if we had to be in the kitchen every single day, cooking a whole meal from scratch for our whole family, like there's not much else you can get done. Right. So the more efficient you can be with your time, the better, but also it's going to save your sanity. It's gonna, and it's going to keep you from being uh, more tempted to stray from whatever your plan is because you don't need to stop at the store to grab whatever, or you don't need to go to the restaurant, you know, all of these things. If you have food um, planned out, whether it's batch cooked or you have a meal plan or the cook once, eat all week, I think is very similar to the concept that you kind of described, Sarah, like when Sarah cooks the meal, she also cooks a whole bunch of other stuff (laughs) Um, because if she's in the kitchen, she's going to use every single appliance that's in the kitchen so she can get the most done possible. I have two hands and they need to be working at all times. (laughs) That surprises me not at all. You strike me as a maximizer, Sarah. Um, I am. I, I strive for efficiency in everything that I do, but I also strive for efficiency in like my downtime and my relaxation time. So, um, I, people are always surprised by how little I actually like how little time I actually spend in the kitchen. They're like, Oh, you, you never eat out. You must be cooking all the time. I'm like, I maybe spend an hour to an hour and a half cooking like all week. Like that's how much time I spend hands-on in the kitchen for the full week. I tend to go for things that are like, yeah, it's two roast chickens. I sprinkled some seasoning on them. That took me max five minutes. I threw them in the oven. And then an hour and a half later, they were done and delicious. And we ate chicken for five days and, mm-hmm. and maybe reinvented. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely a, um, I'm not a multitasker so much as a, an efficiency tasker. And I just made that word up, but I'm hoping it'll start trending now. Well, I, I love like it. I loved Cassie calling you a maximizer because I'm like, yeah. oh, I like that. That's what uh-huh. I'm getting. Yeah, because I maximize the time that I am doing on each task. But it sounds it sounds powerful and like an A, doesn't it? Yeah. Just sound like you got a good grade and oh. you lost. Like it's a good, it's a good word. I like it. It is. It's definitely an A plus quality. And right? I am I am H O in my humble opinion. <laughs> an A plus quality. <laughs> I think we established that your opinion is not humble already. (laughs) It's a worthy opinion and we're into it. All right. All right. Well, Cassie, thank you so much for joining us and talking about this. I think it's a, I think it's a trending topic and that's an important one to dive into for our listeners. Um, As a reminder, uh, before we completely 
uh, say goodbye. I just want to remind our listeners that they can find you and um, you have m- multiple projects that um, people can enjoy more of your time. So I know you do the Fed and Fit Project, which is a healthy mindset, lifestyle type thing. You have your existing book, Fed and Fit is the name of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all the same names. <laughs> exactly. That's super helpful for people. And then you do have an upcoming book, Cook Once, Eat All Week, that will be out in April. But in the meantime, people can get access to this concept and some of your meal plans and stuff like that through your blog, correct? Yes, they can. Yep. Yay. All the shopping lists and all that good stuff. And, they and can also, they can also pre-order Cook Once, Eat All Week and support Cassie and tell bookstores that they're interested in this kind of book and like all of the like pay it forward goodness that pre-ordering does. Sarah's so smart. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> be wonderful yep pre-orders available and all all that good things ladies y'all are just the best thank you so much (laughs) and if you just want to hear cassie snort and say y'all more often she also has a podcast so just look for her fed and fit thank you listeners so much for tuning in and cassie thank you for joining us it's a pleasure we don't um do guests as often as we used to so Thank you for, for being one of our joyful additions to the Paleo View. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for the invitation. I really loved it. And I can't wait to catch up with all the listeners. Come find me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. So I know we didn't really talk about an in detail, a detailed agenda or questions or topics there. We were just going to kind of freeform, right? You did do notes? Um, oh, so I did notes. What are you talking about? Did you really? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. Let me go and pull them up. Y'all are so prepared. I just recorded another podcast uh, for my show, and my notes included three scribbled night lines on a little post-it. <laughs> oh, man. There was a day when we did that, and now we've become a lot more organized so that it makes show notes and follow-up posts and that kind of stuff much easier. Yeah, Beautiful. I mean, you'll see when you open the notes that it says, Freeform Show. Uh, Sarah, is that what you're making me go to Google for right now? No, no, no. I have points. I put, I put stuff in there. Okay. I created things. <laughs> Must be the full moon. <laughs> <laughs> the full blood wolf moon. Oh, it's so amazing. Did you look at Did it? You... No, it was in the middle of the night. I don't, I don't, I sleep. <laughs> Plus, it was uh, 20 degrees last night before windchill. Okay, just to be clear, like, it was colder here, and it was 12.10, and it started at, like, 10.30, so you could have totally enjoyed a little bit of it. But I'll give it to you. It's fine. But it was a, it was a glorious sight. It was very cool I've to watch. I've seen lunar eclipses before. It's fine. <sighs> have you ever I'll seen... I'll wait until 2022. ...a blood wolf moon before? I've seen a blood moon before. The wolf moon thing is quite arbitrary, so no. 
<laughs> just like it's the first one in the year or something. That's what it means. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, plug or add or edit in? Me? No. Yeah. I, I told you, I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. There's the nugget for Matt. <laughs> that is going to be immediately the first paper right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.